Welcome back here to Unholstered. I am just one of your hosts. My name is Kayla Blakesley, and I host this show alongside Sofia Rosales-Catina. Good morning, everyone. I am Sofia Rosales-Catina, as Kayla said, captain of the Fort Wayne Police Department, uh, Southeast Division, and welcome to the show. This show is all about sharing and telling the stories that don't often get told when it comes to law enforcement. Today, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about, Sofia. We are talking about firearms, but to be a little bit more specific, we're kind of really honing in on gun safety. I have shared with you before, I've shared here on this program before, uh, that I grew up with guns. I'm really pretty comfortable behind a hunting rifle. However, when it comes to a handgun, not as much. Um, I purchased a Glock, oh, about a year or so ago. And I know, Sophia, you've offered to take me out and, and give me some, some proper training. But I've really been doing the legwork, trying to find a place that I felt like could give me the instruction that I was looking for, to feel confident enough to carry my firearm. Uh, in public when I feel like I uh, is necessary, when I need to, when I want to. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. And I'm, I'm not going to reveal all the places that I've been to, that I've done the legwork at, but let's just say I took three locations until I found this one that we're going to talk about today. We've got John Michaels in studio, which let me preface this by saying, you always book our guests. <laughs> always. <laughs> so are you a little nervous that I book today? I guests? am. I'm interested <laughs> to see what's kind of going to happen today. Well, John is the owner of Indiana Firearms Training in Huntington. And John, first of all, let's, let me just say thanks for coming down here to our South Studios to join us here for Unholstered. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, I'm so excited as well because I think um, gun safety specifically is such an important topic of conversation. When people talk about firearms, it, for some reason it seems like safety is always left out of the conversation, especially when it comes to just uh, carrying in general particularly here in the state of Indiana. But I think it would be kind of fun, you two, since Sophia really has no idea what we're getting into, John. Because uh, you and I have met. You and I have already had some conversations, so I feel pretty comfortable going into this uh, into this show. But yeah, I'd thank love... you for making yeah. me uncomfortable. Now you know how I feel. Like, <laughs> um, but I'd love to, to talk about your, your both of your interpretations of gun law, uh, put John's up against Sophia's. I think that's a great place to start. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that far of a departure from I don't think so <laughs> what I think to what he thinks. So the law is open carry now. Um, obviously, we've had some shows in the past where I have put forth my, I guess, ideas of what... Which we're coming up on a year, by the way, right? We are. July, July. will yeah. be a year. We'll have to yeah. revisit that. Yeah, we will in July. Um, but, you know, I'm a proponent of guns. I love guns. I think everyone with proper training should carry. Uh, but I think you need to be and understand the seriousness of when you carry a handgun. You need to understand the laws surrounding that, what a responsible gun owner does and does not do. Um, so I think there's probably a lot of things we can discuss today. And we, I, it's a 27-minute show, so we won't get to all of them. But I'm interested in, to hear what someone else has to say. I, I think there's a lot of marketing out there to spread misinformation. Mm -hmm. And so a lot right. of us Hoosiers, we just don't understand the gun laws in our state. And I'd like to clear a little bit of it up. Yeah, I think that's one of my big takeaways just from initially, initially meeting you and with finding a location to um, get some training at. I think I think first and foremost, what I learned from you, John, is that I mean, there's a difference between a, between a real firearms instructor and a firearms instructor who's also trying to get you to buy something, <laughs> who's also trying to get you to buy a firearm or to buy a certain ammo or to buy this or to buy that. And at Indiana Firearms Training in Huntington, which you are the owner, you have real true instructors. Absolutely. There's no conflict of interest because we do not sell guns. Uh, for gun stores to teach, they really sell you an infomercial. You pay about 80, 90 bucks per hour 
maybe you get an hour, hour and a half of what they call training, but it's really just, it's talking you into buying their guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, our incentive is not to convince you that you're safe enough to already own a gun. We do analysis and find out where do you need to sharpen up your safety skills. So talk to me, how did you become, first of all, the owner of Indiana Firearms Training in Huntington? Well, Indiana Firearms Training is the only school that has free repeats, completely free, no range fees or anything. And I started off as just a student, and I used those free repeats all the time. I lived there every weekend. And then when the founder of the company retired and moved to Colorado, he offered me the opportunity to buy the company. What year was that? I bought it in 2018. Okay. So you've been, you've been the owner for quite some time. Did you feel like when you took it over that anything needed to change, or did you maintain kind of how, how the business was already ran? We definitely made some upgrades. We brought in some of the best training aids that the country has to offer. We use a lot of the Mantis X products. We use some cert pistols. We've really done our homework and made sure to bring technology into the game, which provides students another opportunity to handle guns without live ammo before we take them out to the range to have the live ammo. We were talking, Sophia, before you got here off the air, and, and I believe an exact quote that John said was, we make our students earn their ammo. Absolutely. <laughs> it's probably a good thing, too. Yeah. So, some of the other instructors out there will have five or 600 rounds per class, and it's really more of supervised shooting. We want to focus on safety and technique, so we do a lot of dry fire practice. We do a lot of laser and training aid practice long before we introduce any live ammo. So if somebody does handle the gun poorly, we have all the opportunity in the world to see it before we take them out to where there could be a potential danger. I, I think that's really good, though, and I will say, stress the importance of dry fire and just working through that gun without ammo because it's really important. You can do that, and you, you, get, you understand your trigger a Absolutely. lot better, especially like I carry a Glock, so it has a reset. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I started out with a Smith & Wesson, which did not have one, and then we switched to the Glocks and, and the difference in that trigger, and everybody was talking about trigger reset, but no one has told me what that was. I'm like, I don't I, know I, what that actually, is. I don't know what that is. So You will. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, so I just think it's important when you're running through those trigger, uh, trigger reset drills, mm-hmm. you know, you can understand that way better dry firing than you can on the range. And there are a lot of doubters about the dry fire. But if you think about it, the best competitive shooters in the world have sponsors. So their ammo is paid for on their behalf. They don't have to spend a penny on it, yet they do drive fire five to ten times as often as live fire. Wow. That should tell you something. That's where the skill is truly built. Right? It's those gross motor skills, right? The the mind to the body thinking, right? I've done this in my mind a million times. I can do this. So what is this trigger reset, though? Obviously, it's different between handguns. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, So basically on a Glock is you don't have to let the trigger go all the way to the front. You just have to let it go a little bit, and you'll hear like a little click. And it's just an easier trigger pull, and it keeps you on target better, easier, uh, at least for me. So like with um, your Smith & Wesson, though, it does a full reset? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, you go all the way to the front and then have to take it huh. all the way back. So it's not as easy of a p- trigger pull, I should say, but it just is so much easier with a Glock. You don't have to – it just – when someone finally explained it to me, I'm like, ugh, yeah, what sense. have I been missing this whole time? Yeah. And I became, I became a way better shooter okay. once I knew that. So, John, you know I'm basically just searching for a Saturday because your courses are – they're all day. It's a very extensive – course it's from like 8 a.m to 5 6 p.m kind of probably depending on the course that you're taking at least the ones that i'm looking at which is handgun one level one (laughs) entry one Um, but how many folks do you allow into a course how does it work 
It depends on the course, but for our level one handgun, there's a maximum of 16 students. However, there's a maximum of four shooters on the firing line at a given time with a minimum of two instructors on the line at any time. Sounds like a smart idea to me. That first half of the day, though, it's it's primarily, I'm going to call it classroom training, right? Absolutely. So do you have to come with your notebooks, your pens, your pencils? I mean, what's involved for, for a student? We, we provide all those things for you. Nice. You'll nice. get pens, notebooks, coffee, snacks, orange juice. We will have training aids. Uh, we will provide the guns, the ammo, the eye protection, the ear protection. All you have to do is bring an open mind, and we will take care of the rest. What got you so into firearms? Because like I said, I've met you before. You are clearly very, very passionate about it. Where does that passion come from? I just wanted to be responsible. I, I went to shoot on my lunch break one day at work, and it was just to relieve some stress. And I saw the rental price for a gun, and the accountant in me said, I have to buy a gun. It's more responsible. But <laughs> that means I need to get gun safety training. And it snowballed from there. I called up the founder of Indiana Firearms Training. We talked for a few hours, and I knew that I found the right place. And then I just lived there with those free repeats, and it escalated big time. I ended up getting invited to three different states, SWAT officers associations, and that allowed me to go to their annual training conferences. So I've been to 13 of those now. I've trained with some of the best instructors in the world and special forces, and it really just took off. So boy, do I feel safe sitting in this room with you two. <laughs> <laughs> what about all of your other instructors at IFT? What are their backgrounds? We all have backgrounds in medical. We have a combat lifesaver that served in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, we have a, a, a certified emergency first aid fundamentals instructor. We have a licensed mental health counselor on staff. I don't know of any other instructors who have that. No, I don't. Do you use that? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I'm like, so, okay, yeah. Do you? She can vet people out even better than I can. I do background checks on my students, but our, our licensed mental health counselor can tell me if she sees anything that seems suspicious. She could see things that I couldn't. Oh, so she's a woman, too, yeah. so that's even better. So that's <laughs> what I'm wondering. Does this happen where people, and not necessarily to IFT, but and I don't know if you've heard of this happening either, Sophia, people are going in to get good training for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. It does. I mean, you You're shaking just... your head yes. You know you're on radio, right? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just into the obvious listening. <laughs> I get some phone calls that start off with, the judge says I have to take a class, huh. and then I have a whole lot more questions for them. <laughs> what do you do? I have to vet them out thoroughly. I, I can't allow somebody unsafe to be around my students, and if somebody comes in and they do mishandle a firearm, they get a full refund and a handshake, and I wish them well. Wow. What are some misconceptions that you think that people have about gun safety? Something Sophia and I always like to do, we, we try to you know, bust all the myths that are out there. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some misconceptions? People think they can teach themselves gun safety as well as shooting technique. It's not something you can just fumble your way through. It's not three strikes and you're out. It's one and done. They're tremendously unforgiving. If you screw up with a firearm, that's it. Yeah. It can be deadly. Yeah. And I it's not necessarily your life. It could be your kid's life. 
we've we've talked on the show before, and I always say you can't go to your uncle's friend's cousin's sister's husband to go get training of someone who does just because they've had a firearm. And I would stress even myself, people like take me out and show me how to shoot. I'm like I'm not an instructor. (laughs) I am not an instructor. I'll go out and I'll shoot rounds with someone, but I'm not going to be able to teach them how to do anything because I don't know how to do that stuff. That's not my lane, and I try to stay out of things that aren't my lane. And isn't the way you shoot probably different than what I would learn at IFT? Probably not. The fundamentals no. will be the same. I don't same. know if because police officer, I don't know if you handle your firearm differently. We have to have the amount of safety that anyone else should have as well. I mean, maybe my things I would pull my weapon on are maybe different than what you would, mm-hmm. you know, kind, kind of thing. That's the only thing I can think of. But I think that the safety is always the same. Do you have, like, corporate events? Can, like, groups of people come I don't know. I guess if there was like 15 people from Federated Media who wanted to go take it, can they come together? They could certainly buy out a class. (laughs) I've gotten a lot of requests for private training, and I've become so busy. There's so much demand for our classes. I just haven't really had time for the private training. Well, I think that's what's cool, too, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, John, that once your class is over, let's say ends at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., y'all are still there, and you offer essentially, I'm going to call it free training, until the sun goes down. Yes, there's a strict ceasefire at 7 p.m. at the range that we rent. It is not a public range. We refuse to do any classes at a public range. I want to know everybody I'm training with. Mm-hmm. But because we have that range until 7 p.m., if somebody wants some free coaching after class, absolutely come to me. I, I know a lot of folks want to use their own firearms, but we provide the firearms for them for class. This gives them an opportunity to work one-on-one with an instructor with their own firearm. So they can kind of apply what they learned. Absolutely. What about knives? Do you do any training with knives? We have four different knife classes with a six-degree black belt. He owned the largest martial arts chain in Fort Wayne's history. He's now just doing unarmed and knife, but not in a large school setting. He'll do Hmm. more of the private instruction. That comes with free repeats as well. Is there a different price range for each class? The knife class is only four hours, so that one's $75. Okay. And then we also have a medical class, an emergency first aid fundamentals. It's more than just a Band-Aid. It is $55, and that will be an all-day class. I think that anybody who cool. takes a firearms class should automatically <clears throat> sign up for the first aid. Yeah. Um, so the, I think the it's first aid's not quite the same as any of the other medical classes out there. You're not going to just sit in a chair and watch a screen all day long. It's very hands-on. We want to do simulations as often as possible. Tourniquets, all those kind of things, on self-placing tourniquets, things like that. I'm sure that's probably yeah. part of the class, and which is what probably everyone should go through a class like that. I didn't even know you offered that one. I mean, I've crept on your website quite a bit, John, and I don't it's know that I... It's a big website. <laughs> yes, it is. I didn't know. I would not stumbled across that. Okay, so I, I'm, I don't want to say I want to get all the logistics out of the way, but I kind of do because there's some really other important stuff to talk about with you, but people can just log online, iftnra.com, right? That's the shortcut. I usually tell people IndianaFirearmsTraining.com okay. because it's a lot easier to remember. I didn't pick the original domain. (laughs) Either way, right? Either way. You do have the full list of classes there. Most of them are on the weekends. Correct. We will do some free gun law workshops throughout the week, but our firearms and knife courses are on weekends. And you've got a range in Fort Wayne and Huntington, right? 
we use a classroom for the knife classes in Fort Wayne. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we, we tend to use an uh, Iron Society gym at DuPont and Lima. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, John, I've I'm, I'm been getting to know you for a while. And, um, by the way, I can't come out for a class. Like I said, I'm just trying to find a free Saturday because it is kind of an all-day event. And I have a three-year-old, which means I have to work around my husband's schedule as well. Um, I can't wait to come out and take that level one course for a handgun. But... Well, getting to know you and kind of getting to know Indiana Firearms Training, I don't even know how we got down this road, but you started to tell me kind of about another passion project of yours, which is teaming up with with churches. Explain what it is you're doing and why. I am offering a free workshop on how to prevent, counter, and recover from mass shooters in a church setting. I was at a workshop with Hornaday, a very popular manufacturer of defensive ammunition, and they brought out ballistic gelatin bricks. It's essentially pig fat, but it's the closest simulation they've found to human tissue. They had police officers fire three rounds of their assigned duty ammo into each brick and measured how deep into the brick it would go before it would stop. One brick was exposed, all the other bricks had another material in front of it, sheet metal, drywall, the windshield of a car, a Carhartt jacket. And these three rounds would be very consistent at their depth in each brick. But then I had target ammo. I wasn't gonna not shoot the bricks because it sounded like a lot of fun, so I just (laughs) shot regular factory target ammo. And I went all the way through 18 inches of every single brick, including the one that went through a windshield. Wow. I immediately thought, there are a lot of people carrying guns at the church I go to, and I wonder if they know the importance of hollow points, defensive ammunition. The gun stores will tell you it has all this extra stopping power, and they'll sell it on the aggressiveness of the ammo, but for me, the importance of hollow points is really to keep the bullet from exiting their target and going out and hit innocent people. Mm -hmm. So at that very moment, I decided I'm going to develop a free workshop for churches so they understand the importance of defensive ammo. And it just snowballed from there. It turned into a full, how do you counter a mass shooter? How do you prevent it? What do you do afterwards? What do you do? I mean, I think when you when I hear the word prevent a mass shooting, I mean, that's the million dollar question in today's society, right? How do we prevent these mass shootings from taking place? So what, what would you say, John? I would say the lowest hanging fruit is don't advertise that you are gun free. And I'm you're, not you're gonna, gun-free zone, yeah. I'm not going to tell everybody they have to carry a gun. It's your choice, and I'm not going to shove it down anybody's throat. But if you don't carry a gun, don't put it out there for the world to know that you are the easiest target. Have you started these workshops with these churches yet? Or is we this, have. Oh, you have? Absolutely. We don't have any unhappy customers with it either. We've <laughs> had great reviews on it. We did one in New Haven, one in Peru. It's been an absolute blast. We've got one scheduled for Thursday, July 13th at 6 p.m. in New Haven at the First Baptist Church in New Haven. So if folks want to come out to that, is it the public can attend if they want to? Absolutely. Well? You don't have to be a member of that church. Just go ahead and hop on my website and follow the link. You'll be able to sign up for that for free and have a great time, come with questions. It'll be a very relaxed, open conversation. We'll help people develop their own plans for their church specifically. 
What about, I mean, I'm just going to use my building, for example, Federated Media. What if what if Federated Media says, hey, John, I, I see what you're doing. I hear what you're doing with this, these local churches. Can we do it here? We could apply a lot of the same principles. Yeah. I wanted to start off with churches just because I grew up in the church and it was important to me. What do you think, Sophia, I mean, with this concept of... I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do it. We have some people in our department that go out and do those things for churches, for nonprofits kind of things. But when we get into the business realm, it's like as an officer, I can't recommend a business to anyone. So I can't say, hey, this officer has this business. Talk to him. I can't yeah. do that. So I'm, I'm like, it's. I have nowhere to send anybody, so I'm glad he's talking about this because I couldn't even say, hey, go over to this guy's website because he does this. I can't do that as an officer. Um, so I'm glad there's people in the community doing those kinds of things. I didn't um, even know this was a thing. Until it I was. Met him. So the Justice Department came here, I'm going to say probably four years ago, um, because we ha- the amount of churches that we had in this area. So they came here after uh, there was a church attack, and I forget where it was at the time. But they came here and they did a whole symposium. All the churches that they could get a hold of in the area were invited. So we were out at the Public Safety Academy. And we did a whole active shooter program for them, talking about church safety, what to do, what not to do, those kinds of things. And we had one of our officers who's a former SWAT officer, former military guy. He he comes in and he assesses businesses and churches like nonprofits like that for free. Um, so after that, we got a lot of calls from other people who heard about it after the fact mm-hmm. and wanted him to come out. So he's been doing that as he can, but but he's a busy guy. Right, just like you just said. Yeah, right, John? I mean, it's he, hard to get yeah. to everyone. So I'm glad that there's like a community event where you can go as a community to something like that. I think that's very important, and I'm, I'm glad someone's doing that because, I mean, this guy's getting like taxed because when things pop off, then that everybody gets the idea, oh, let me call and mm-hmm. let me call. So when we ever we have an active shooter anywhere in the country, I get flooded with calls, and I'm just like, I I can't I can't get to you. <laughs> what about schools? A lot of the same principles can apply to schools. Yeah. They just need to start listening. Can you? Because we don't have a ton of time, but are you kind of able to go through some of those steps right now for schools, businesses, churches that are listening? Kind of like a little freebie, John. <laughs> if there were one thing I would want to say to folks that are running schools when they're developing their plans for countering mass shooters is let the kids get out the windows. Yeah. Leave the school. Don't have them just locked down. I understand getting them out of the hallways, but sitting in a classroom and waiting when there's a perfectly good window to escape from, let them leave. Yeah. If, I'm not going to say I haven't told my kids that. <laughs> really? Really? I, get out. If you can get out, get out. If you're in a position to help someone else, please do so but safely. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if there is a way to get out of that building, whether it's a window through a desk through it, I don't care. I'll pay for the window later. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Because most times teachers are telling kids to stay down, stay put, right? Is that yeah, the yeah. That you lock getting? down in place because they, they, that way they know where everyone is. But at the same time, you're sitting target. Right. And I will say, I will give a shout out to my friend. We went to uh, the gun training last summer. Um, she was a teacher. And we had some issues pop off here in Fort Wayne at one of the schools here. And she was a teacher at that school. And she was so proud of herself. And I was so proud of her, too. She's like, I had a plan, Sophia. I had a plan. And I was probably the only teacher that had a plan, but I had one. And I'm like, see, there we go. You have a little bit of training and you just get confident. And, okay, I can do this. And not all of the training is combat. Some teachers don't want to do firearms training. They don't want to carry a gun. I completely understand but shouldn't they know how to clear a firearm if they have to take one from a student who brought one in when they're not supposed yeah, to? Right. How do they secure that from the other students? 
they need to have a plan in place. They need to have some practice in their system. I think most people are afraid. I mean, especially in that whole teacher realm, um, they just become afraid of firearms and they don't want anything to do with them. Like, no, I mean, at least know, like you said, at least know how to make it safe. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pull the trigger, but at least know how to make it safe. What's next for you, John? I feel like you're like taking over the world when it comes <laughs> to, to firearm safety and really trying to really truly wanting to spread that message and the importance of firearm safety. I apologize for the lawnmower in the background if you can hear it. <laughs> We're trying to cover this from cradle to grave. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a gunfight, it's also prevention. It's also what do you do afterwards? Do you have a policy on what to say to the media? Do you have a medical plan in place? When there's a mass shooter and EMS arrives, they're not allowed in the building until police have cleared the scene. If it's a large setting, that can take a long time. So if somebody's bleeding out, you could have taken a victory and turned it into a draw, and there's no acceptable draw in a gunfight. I will say this, though, in Fort Wayne, we do have a plan. Um, we do go in with medical personnel. We are their cover while we go through and search for potential victims that we have while an active shooting is going on. So we do do training for that here. God bless um, Fort we Wayne. We can talk yeah. about that later on another mm. show, but I just want the community to know that we will go in, even if an active shooter is going on, to start helping potential victims. But So let Wonderful. me get this straight, though. Most police departments do don't not. operate that way. No. no, we are one of the few in the country that would I even feel like they should that. all operate that way. There's a lot of things a lot of departments should do, but they don't. They, they take have the on a lot of liability yeah. that way. Yeah, Going and, and from it's a conjunction to medical. Yeah, and it's in conjunction everything. with the fire department too. So yeah. their training is with us. It almost kind yeah. of ticks me off because you just said it, John. Someone's laying there bleeding out. Yeah, and you could it could be a long time before that that scene is safe. But if you know that a portion is safe because they're somewhere else, why wouldn't you go in and start trying to find people and help? Okay, John. I feel like <laughs> because we are way out of time, but I feel like you need to come back and walk all of our listeners through like the training that you do at the church that but you've got to hone it for listeners okay so it could be your business owner it could be a radio station it could be a school it could be a church it could be a gym whatever could you do that i'd like, love that thank really you really putting you on the spot to do that i just feel like there's still so much here that we didn't even get to 30 seconds if we didn't get to something what what do you got that's so important that we had to get to if you don't already have a tourniquet on your person or at your church or in your business, get a tourniquet. It's $35. It's not difficult to use if you've done it a couple of times, and it can save a lot of lives. IndianaFirearmsTraining.com. John Michaels, you are the owner. I'm so glad you're here. We're obviously going to have you back. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. And if you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can download them anywhere you download a podcast. As Sophia and I both mentioned numerous times. We've talked a lot about firearms, particularly uh, the laws here in Indiana. You can search for those previous episodes as well anywhere you download a podcast. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Podcasts by Federated Media.